1: And welcome to the Pride of Detroit, P-O-D-Cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, part of SB Nation out here to talk about the Detroit Lions in all of their doom, wheel, woe, and glory, but short matter it is, of that last part and all of the weirdness that follows. I am Chris Perfett, your adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. Now also coming to you on Sunday mornings with a Bronx accent. uh, Thanks to if you happen to get Fox sports radio at any time at any kind of at any uh, what's what's the right word I'm looking for any any affiliate in the morning in like the wee morning hours. The Furman and No show now has me on doing Bronx accents, and I show up on other shows every now and then too because that's just stuff that happens. Uh, Jeremy Reisman is here, the fearless leader at Detroit Online.
2: Hello, you can't catch me on Fox Sports Radio anywhere, but you can catch me here every week. Those the tones of my voice. The
1: question is, can we get you in a Bronx accent? Absolutely
2: not. I am not falling into that trap even once.
1: You try it out. Just to mock nope. those people. No.
2: Nope, because okay. then you're going to clip it and we're going to hear it every week.
1: That, that requires me to do some actual work right now that honestly, after a very long weekend, I am not capable of doing. Still don't trust you. Ryan Matthews. Back, the rock guy. At Ryan underscore POD. He's here too. Ryan, how you doing, buddy?
3: I'm doing well. I'm house sitting, which means I have a dog here and she's a beautiful dog. So you you might hear her, you might hear her collar, you might hear her bark, but know that this isn't a visual medium. So I'll just describe to you that she's a salt and pepper schnauzer and she's every bit as beautiful as you can imagine.
1: Cool. Well, we need her picture for the, uh, for the podcast avatar, apparently. Perfect. Can you or the dog do a Bronx accent?
3: The dog can, but she's shy, so I'm not going to make her do it. Okay. You bastards.
1: (laughs) Anyway, Wayback Machine continues on later on in this episode. As we go back the second week, we put Jets behind us. And guess what? Things still suck in 2018. But we get to that in a second. And first, we start with Lion OTAs and news out of such. Jeremy was there on Tuesday, uh, was watching, seeing what he could see. I'm adamant in my stance that all of this is a whole lot of nothing, but Jeremy is desperate for anything because he has to run the blog and get those clicks to your beautiful, beautiful, beautiful eyes. So, Jeremy, anything of note out here from camp before we get into the big subject that I see written down here, underlined and circled?
2: Okay, so yeah, the the two main issues we'll get to in in a bit, but from my... Vantage point, and I have to be careful here because there's very strict rules on what I can and can't say about what was going on at practice, and also keep in mind there are 90 people on the field, so I can't be like, "Well, Johanny tavai was johani Tevai was you know, ten for ten in in his coverage or anything like that." I I can't do that. But with with Darius lay and, and Justin Coleman both sidelined on Tuesday for various reasons, and and same with Marvin Jones and, and Kenny Galladay. One of the things that I thought was interesting is that a lot of cornerbacks and a lot of wide receivers who are going to be fighting for those bottom roster spots or maybe even um you know the the cornerback 2 job they had a lot of opportunities on Tuesday and probably throughout the week depending on how available some of these guys were due to injury um not i'm not going to say anyone in particular stood out um maybe the the one exception being T's Tabor who we uh. talked a little bit about last week uh nabbing an interception on Monday and then another one on Tuesday but uh I mean literally that's the only two plays that he stood out for so um the 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 other quick one thing before we jump on and again I have to be a little careful about what I say here is I'll just say this the Lions versatility was in full effect on Tuesday we saw a, a lot of different players being used in a lot of different positions moving around as such again I can't be specific here but um, I will say that there were a lot of interesting ways in which tight ends were being used.
4: Okay.
1: Cool. <laughs> cool. Cool, I guess.
3: Tease Taber yeah. updates. I love tease taber updates. If you can give us more of those, yeah. I'm
1: okay. definitely here for those.
2: Yeah, Ryan well, needs those. I'll be out there again next week, so.
1: Ryan needs tease updates badly. I and don't tease me tease me about tease, bro, bro, bro. All right. So yeah, go on Ryan.
3: I I mean, here's the thing with OTAs. It just seems like it's an, like, like you said, Jeremy, it's an opportunity for a lot of the players at the bottom of the depth chart to get an opportunity to show what they have, you know, pre-training camp. And I think that that's just about the only thing that's interesting about them. (laughs) I mean, even, even tease Tabor, interceptions, because I, I think that he's going to make the roster, but some, some of these other plays that, that get made, like the Tavai interception or, mm. Mm, you know, whatever it may be, it just, you know, receptions by uh, TJ Hawkinson. I don't know. N- none of it really excites me. I don't think, I don't think I get excited for football until training camp. And with so many big-time players sitting out, it's kind of just like practice squad players going against practice squad players.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can't. I can't really think of a storyline ever saying, "Oh, this player really, you know, was able to secure his spot on a roster thanks to OTAs." Although, right. granted, now we're we're in a weird, sticky situation because Jeremy named the mailbag overreacting to OTAs. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think I think it's a really good way for players to get their foot in the door. But like like Chris just said, I don't think anybody secures their roster spot in May.
2: Well, of course they don't. But I mean, for me why not just have a little bit of fun with it? Why not have fun just like scouring over a 60 second highlight video that they provide? Just, I mean, just for fun, just to see if you can find anything interesting. that They provide. Yeah, of course. I, yes, it's all going to be very sanitized.
1: Well, that's it. I'm not interested in the drip fed sanitized because I feel like in this day and age, I like to get my stuff from independent sources. And I know that's, that's not something we really get in, in sports media anymore like i don't think it i'm gonna be fast uh, off on a tangent here i swear to god we are going to get a harrison slay in five seconds but i am I, I i'm i'm pensive about the future of sports media sometimes especially when i see what yahoo did with the mets in that they were like paying for access to cover this team So whenever I see, like, and I know they do good stuff over at Lions.com. We repost their videos all the time. We get them free goddamn traffic all the time. But I'm going to remain pensive for now because it is kind of a hype machine. And (laughs) Ryan knows I watch a lot of pro wrestling. I know all about the hype man. And so, I mean, yeah. sometimes I'll be excited. Sometimes I'll be like, "Eh."
2: with the highlights, I'm not looking at them and be like, wow, this team's good now. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking Mm -hmm. for the things in between the lines that maybe they didn't realize they showed or maybe just like any little hints about strategy or anything like that. Now, the lines have been very good about hiding that sort of stuff. And what's interesting is the first day highlights, they didn't hide some stuff. They they showed us that Frank Ragnar was getting reps at center and, and things like that by the time Friday's practice rolled around, there was nothing, there was nothing, no signs of who was being lined up where everyone's like every highlight was just like a very zoomed in shot of a player. And sure. so it, the, I don't, it, I don't
1: find, I don't find, Um. I, I guess that's, that's the problem too, is like, again, I don't find uh, arrangements or schemes interesting either right now. Like I'm interested in stories right now. And the story is about Damon Harrison and Darius Slay, you want to tee this one up, Jeremy?
2: Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, we we've known for a while that Damon Harrison uh, is is seeking a new contract. He's got two years left, but he's making, I think, under ten million for each year in terms of salary. Uh, didn't show up to OTAs. It's nothing new for him. He, he didn't show up to OTAs at least most of them, I believe, with the Giants last year. So no surprise that he's not there. Maybe the. Uh, the bigger surprise here is Darius Slay's also not there. Um, the Detroit Free Press is reporting that Slay's also seeking a new deal. If you check Slay's Twitter, he's kind of always talking about things like that without directly saying he wants a new deal. So I think it's fair to say he's looking for a new deal. Also has two years left on his deal. Um yeah, and that's where we're at. And per usual, anytime uh there's any sort of contract negotiations, you're gonna split the fan base there in half. Half of them saying just honor your contract, half of them saying Get the money while you can. Everyone complaining about millionaires and billionaires and how their job is a lot different than the NFL, but predictably it's it's been a contentious week in in Lions Twitter and and Lions comment sections. But um, when is it not? Yeah, exactly. Even even in <laughs> even in the middle of May, we're gonna have a contentious Lions uh, Nation fan base. Let's yeah. talk. But I don't know what what are you guys thoughts. The, the the one thing that I mean I think we're all almost in agreement all the time when it comes to player negotiations here and that like we're on the player side, get the money while you can because the team's not going to do you any favors if, I, by I cutting am, you at any point. I the, am, the,
1: but yeah, sorry.
2: I, I was just going to say the, the one thing that I think is a fair point that some people have made is that there's two years left on each of these guys deal. And, and if, if some people are like, uh, maybe wait your turn until there's one year. Cause that's how this team typically works. Um, I, I get that point of view. I don't necessarily share it, but I understand it.
1: I, I would say, I would say two things to add on to your thing. One is that these are OTAs and <laughs> I mean, whatever I, are, are we, are we still in the voluntary part yes. of this? Yes. Jeremy? Yes. Okay, let's make yes. that clear. Yes. These Let, are let's voluntary. make that absolutely clear. It's voluntary. Yes. And that's the part I think gets missed a lot when we start covering these subjects. Like we're not in a full blown Le'Veon Bell holdout just yet. Right. Like, I mean, if we get into preseason or whatever and guys are still sitting out, then it's suddenly just starts, then you can start ringing some alarm bells. I find it a little distressing sometimes, but we just had this dialogue <clears throat> NFL wide when it came to Jackson, the Jacksonville Jaguars and Tom Coughlin trying to act like a meatheaded chud uh, yelling at at his players, not showing up to voluntary uh voluntary weight training I think it was back then too. Mm -hmm. So it's just it's all voluntary at this point. That said, I think where I have softened away from it is that we are seeing more and more guys hold out in the NFL, which I think is more of a overarching reaction to just how bad contracts can be sometimes in the NFL. Like so much of this is not guaranteed. And you know I think that's the rationale behind two years left or whatever is that those two years I I'd have to look at what's left on for Slay and and Harrison but I mean so much power is rested in the team to just cut them whenever they they so well please or, or what have you but at the same time it is starting to get a little overblown and a little outrageous when there are as you say Jeremy multiple years left on the contract and you're just going to sit out like and again this this isn't a, this isn't a fair argument to have just yet cuz this is voluntary training activities right however if, if Darius Slay is sitting out with two years of his contract to go and he's sitting out like the first few preseason games or even looking to threaten towards maybe sitting out in the regular season then yeah that's a problem because mm-hmm. there's two years left on that contract and I get it it's not fair right now I want the CBA changed and that that's going to be one of the most I've I've been talking about this for a while now, for several years now, that the the upcoming CBA is going to decide whether or not the NFL lives or dies. I I mean that with no small amount of hyperbole. It's going to determine if the NFL lives or dies. It won't be an overnight death, but it will determine whether or not the NFL still attracts kids to grandiose deals and wealth and luxury. Or if it's just going to just be more middle fingers to their workers and continue these problems that already plague football in every sector, but it's not being helped along when when we have these high profile uh, contract holdouts. Which again, at the start, I was sympathetic towards, but as more and more as they kind of get a little more outrageous, sometimes I'm less inclined to be one sided about it. And just yeah, I don't know. Uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts?
3: Yeah. Jeremy kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier, but I, you know, we always seem to side with the players in a lot of these situations and this situation really is no different. I think that there's two things that the years, uh, the years left on that contract don't really adhere to, and that's injuries and owners. So, I mean, Damon Harrison plays the first snap of the 2019 NFL season and he has an injury and all of a sudden he can't play now. So then he's cut and then he's, then he's you know, then he's owed what, then he's left what, you know what I mean? So I'm all for players taking care of their financial, you know, I'm, I'm all for the financial security that players seek with, with contracts. So I think that both these, I think both these players are really due Um, they're both due for races, especially when you have players like, I don't know, Drake or Patrick making more money than Darius Slay or, mm, I don't know, uh, Desmond Trufant. Right. I think think when you mention some of these names like uh, Tremaine Johnson or Josh Norman or Xavier Howard, he signed his mega deal. All of these guys making more money than Darius Slay. I think Darius Slay has a right to say, hey, Look at what I've done on the field. Look at what these guys have done on the field in, in recent history. Why am I not getting a pay bump? And I think that the same can be said about Damon Harrison, who is arguably the best run defender in the NFL. And anybody who watched the Lions play last season could see that Damon Harrison was that big of a that big of a force on the on the Lions defensive line. So in this situation, yes, I think it it really does come down to players should seek financial security in their futures. And even though that there's two years left in that contract, those two years, they don't, they don't adhere to owners and they don't adhere to injuries. And it's funny though, because we have Damon Harrison who is pretty active on Twitter. I would say that he's more active than Darius Slay. And I Mm -hmm. think a lot of people kind of wring their hands over that too, because I think that they take, they, they perform the mental gymnastics of Damon Harrison is on Twitter. So he's doing that instead of being at OTAs. So what is he doing to prepare himself for the season? However, you have Tom Brady who's skipping OTAs and nobody throws a sink about it because he tweets out a couple of photos of him throwing passes to Julian Edelman and to Harry. Okay. Like, yeah, trust me. These guys are professional athletes. Damon Harrison is ready to go. Darius Mm -hmm. lay is ready to go. Yeah.
2: And I I think both of them have posted some sort of videos that they're, they're
1: working
3: out. So in yeah. terms of like them those being, those don't get publicized. Those don't get yeah. publicized, though, right?
1: Right, right. Um, Tom Brady, but, by the way, a week ago asked playing the uh do, the very innocent card of like, why are people asking me to break my break their faces?
4: But, yeah, with the football. Was yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Not but, really getting the idea, the nihilism that comes with. I'm sorry, that's my tangent. I'm no, that's okay. Sleep right now. No, can can we let's look at this from the Lions' point
2: of view and and what you would do if you were in Bob Quinn's position? Because I think I think the easier argument is to give Damon Harrison the extension because we saw how much of a difference maker he was last year. It's it's very clear that he's getting underpaid compared to some people at his position, and even though he's 30 nose tackles can can last a long time but it might it's a harder case to to give into Darius Slay I would say because one he's 28 kind of near in that 30 edge that cornerbacks seem to just like completely drop off at um his his cap hit this year is actually number one amongst cornerbacks so while he is probably getting underpaid in terms of salary the lines are are pairing him pretty well like he's still a top 20 corner uh in terms of pay and and really top 15 if you if you talk about salary over the next few years um but also if you want Darius Slay to be part of this team for the next four years don't you want to do the extension now instead of next year when he's closer to that 30 mark so I mean it it, it's tough like for me Damon Harrison no question get it done whenever you can Slay I could go either way because to me it's either you you extend him this year or you let him walk in two years when he is 30 and I don't know what the lines do here because we've seen the Patriots in the past splurge on cornerbacks, but the lines already splurged on a cornerback this off season and Justin Coleman. Uh, I mean, I love slay more than anyone else, but do you really want them lock him up for, for four more years when he's going to be 32, 33 at the end of that contract?
3: I think a couple things to that one, if you don't extend him now, you run the risk of him having a career year this year and the mm-hmm. price only
2: Oh, inflates absolutely. itself,
3: right? Yeah, that's why I'm saying if
2: you extend him, you probably have to do it this year.
3: Right, yeah, you probably want to get it taken care of beforehand. Now, I think the other thing that happens, though, if you don't pay him now, if he doesn't want to play, the precedent has already been set. There has been a Le'Veon Bell. You know what I mean? Yeah, There has been a player who sat out an entire season because they felt that they weren't being compensated fairly. So I think it would be just as easy for Darius Slay to, to do something like that. And yeah. um. Also, if you're Darius Slay, do you see the contract that Justin Coleman got and think, man, you know, okay, it's awesome. You know, my team is bringing in other talent to, to help improve our team. However, like, let's take care of me too. Like, look at what, look at all of the things that I've done for this organization so far. Like, take care of me at the same time. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I just, again, it's it's really hard for me to wrap up too much. and I like the initial conversations, but this is voluntary right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it just it's 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 rough because again, like the, these are good conversations to have, but again, I'm I'm always worried when it's multiple years left on the contract. And now it's just kind of like, okay, like I don't want to tell you to go play ball or whatever, but like there's 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 limits to how much I think we can make some of these holdouts without being too insane. And part of it is again on the fact that how player contracts work in the NFL just needs to be like change in a very dramatic fashion uh, we'll see what happens let's take a break here we will be right back we're going to get jump back in the way back machine the dog is really making itself known now too which is <laughs> winnie, wonderful Welcome winnie to the cooper for, the fourth member of this podcast i love it she'll join us in the way back machine as well as we travel back once again to September 2018 for the second game of the NFL season as the Lions go to San Francisco. Friday Detroit PODcast continues. Right a Detroit PODcast on Spotify, iTunes, or Apple Podcasts. I keep forgetting that it's Apple Podcasts now, and I hate that. It's iTunes to me. Who calls it Apple Podcasts? Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and I've said Spotify already. So let me try to do the sound as we get in the way back machine. Oh, my God. I'm so tired. I can't do it. That was enough juice. That was enough juice to get us to San Francisco. I was going to say, we
3: need to get our time machine looked at.
1: You really do. Fresh casing of oil or whatever. Uh, San Francisco 49ers 30. Try saying that three times fast. Detroit Lions 27. We talked a lot last week about what an unmitigated disaster it was to start the season against the way the Lions did against the Jets. And even going back with retrospect, I don't think we were able to really parse that. We, we were trying to find how to fit that into the wider narrative of the Lions. We found a few angles, but it still baffles the mind as to looking at the rest of the year Sam Darnold and the Jets had, trying to figure out how the Lions lost so badly to that. I feel like the 49ers loss is more indicative of some shortcomings the Lions absolutely would continue to do against teams that were just not that great, Bob. I don't think they I mean they would always come close in a few of these other games against not great opponents, but just you you'd, you'd watch the entire time and you're like, "Wow, this really isn't going to happen, is it?" Yeah, this and is, that's what that's what was happening here.
2: This is just a weird game. I mean, you come in, you don't really know what to think of this 49ers team. It's always tough to to play on the West Coast. And the 49ers are a team that came in with a lot of hype with Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, being who he was. And he, he had know, a very poor game.
1: Yeah, he had a very poor first game to the season, if I recall. Yeah. So. And that was
2: against the Vikings. The Vikings you know Vikings defense is pretty darn good but uh definitely an underwhelming opener one one touchdown three interceptions for him in the opener and then he comes out here completes like 75% of his passes two touchdowns no interceptions um i don't know like even looking it, even rewatching the game i still don't really know what to take from this game it, because the 49ers were the better team the, the lions gave up a bunch of big runs on this in this day and I, I can't help but think how differently it may have played out if, if Snacks was there this early. The Lions actually, this was kind of their first sign of having a decent running game. Like Eric Blunt ran for four point eight yards per carry. Actually, had a pretty good game. Carry on Johnson had his best day of his of his young career at that point.
1: But neither of them really utilized that much right now.
2: Well, right because they they did as as. Happened a lot this year. They fell behind a lot. They were down seventeen in in the fourth quarter here, and and we'll we'll talk about the the near comeback in a little bit. But I don't. There were also a couple key injuries on the Lions. T.J. Lang was out of this game. Obviously, Ezekiel Lanza out after just the the first half of the first game. So I don't know. Like it didn't feel like this game was ever out of control for the Lions. They actually jumped out to an early lead, seven three, but the one thing that really stuck out to me rewatching the game was just how bad the secondary was. And I think that this is when that clicked with me was that we came in with a lot of high expectations for the secondary. Like everyone was wishy-washy on, on uh uh, whatever the, the second outside corner. Why can't I think of his name right now? I'm not no helping you know, there. Nevin Lawson. <laughs> Nevin Lawson. Thank you. Nevin Lawson. Uh, but, Everyone was bad. Darius Slay looked bad in this game. Nevin Lawson looked bad in this game. Jamal Agnew was so-so as the nickel corner because he was still playing a little bit of that. Um, Glover Quinn stepped behind. Um, It was just awful. And T's Taper was still kind of playing a lot at this point in in the season. And I think think it finally set in with me at this game. It's just like, okay, the secondary is not nearly as good as we thought it was. In fact, it's probably bad.
1: Yeah, I was going to bring up as one of my notes I already had here is like first sign of weakness from a secondary unit we thought was going to be a strength of the Lions in 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we said, Jimmy Garoppolo completing over 70% of his passes, I believe, averaging 7.9 per per completion. It didn't uh, didn't really look good on the defense. I think the other note I have on this, and this is something I'm sure we will repeat a few times, before the end of his time with the Detroit lions, but man, the lions really lean on golden Tate to get things done.
2: Yeah. He, I mean, that was, that was the, the game plan for this game. You you can tell it's just like kind of short, quick passes. And I mean, that would kind of become the story of the whole season, but Golden Tate, 13 targets in this game. Theo with 12 targets in this game. Um, that's
1: Somehow Tate with none of the touchdowns. They go to Kenny Galladay, Jones, and uh, I believe Michael Roberts had yeah. one. Yeah, Michael, Rob- Michael, Michael Roberts. One rare flash in Michael Roberts.
2: I believe that was his first career touchdown, and it came late in the game. It, it brought the lines within three there at the end. It was actually a really, really good play. And, right, uh, but
1: I mean, the touchdowns aside, Golden Tate was the workhorse here. He's the one. Sure. He was the one with the explosive plays in this game he was the one with 109 yards in the ground um, through the air. He he was the one he had the most tar- targets, the most receptions. He just, he was what Stafford, I, I think, I think I talked in the past that sometimes Stafford needs a safety valve. And in the past, it was always Calvin Johnson, golden Tate kind of became the safety valve for Matt Stafford. He didn't know if he didn't know what to do, just try to find golden Tate because golden Tate, can make things happen
3: for sure mm-hmm. and we we definitely saw what happened to the offense when golden tate exited stage left but i i remember jeremy we watched this game together alec yep. was there too right yep and i think what happened was kind of similar to the jets game was that after the first half where the game was close it still seemed like it could have gone either way. But by the end of the third quarter, it seemed like it was just San Francisco's game to lose. And they almost lost it. They came pretty close. But um, that same deflating feeling, all of the air being let out of the room, was similar after the third quarter against the 49ers game that there was in the, in the contest against the Jets a week ago because there was the Garrett Selleck touchdown to start the half real early and then the Rita 66 yard rush was just like oh man this is this is uh, isaiah crowell all over again right
2: yeah and 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 it, i don't know like everything kind of collapsed on itself again in in the in the third quarter and i mean, even the, the first play of the second half was a, a touchdown kickoff return touchdown that ended up getting somewhat nullified because the kick returner actually uh he, uh, committed a face mask now, but, uh, yeah, the, the other thing I want to say, and this was very much true in the second half was this was a very bad game for Stafford. You look at the box score and you call me crazy. Cause he had three touchdowns and 347 yards, but he had four or five deep balls wide. Like a receiver had at least one yard of separation, missed them every single time. And that alone, like he connects on one of those and the, the games probably tips in their favor at the end. And I mean, this, this is where the, the doubts, I think, started to creep in with some line stands like Stafford, you're, you're coming off a career year. You're kind of slipping back into that old habit of like being just kind of so-so until the very end of the game where you turn things on. And this this is very much in that category.
1: Yep. <sighs> Sorry. N- not to break it up. It's it's low energy here. I think this game just overall watching it was just kind of depressing and really to start 0-2 was kind of like the worst case scenario. I wouldn't say the worst case scenario because it is going to get worse before it gets better on this Wayback Machine. That's
2: not true. It's going to get better and then it's going to get worse.
1: It's going to get better for a little bit and then it's going to get a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. So, like... But it-
2: I mean okay, let's let's talk about the near comeback because the Lions very yeah. came very, very close to stealing this game. Very, very close to stealing this game. But so okay, so the Lions down three. It's third down. If they get a stop here, they're gonna get the ball with more than two minutes left. Not only do they get a stop, Tracy Walker picks off Garoppolo, almost takes it to the house, but I'm I'm still mad about it. A very, what I consider a very ticky-tacky holding call on Quandre digs away from the play. Uh, gives him an automatic first down. Now, the interesting thing, apart, uh, thing about this is the way that I remember it, the game ended after that. The 49ers ran out, the clock game was over.
3: That's not what happened. You guys remember what happened? I I do remember that the Lions had, they had a chance to, they had, they had another shot with the ball, didn't they?
2: Absolutely. And honestly, it, it wasn't a bad chance. They had almost a minute. They didn't have any timeouts, but starting around their own 20 yard line, they they drove all the way to midfield or right near midfield. And then there was a, a replay on a Kenny Galladay pass that would have gotten them into 49ers territory that, that didn't end up getting overturned, but the, the replay wasn't really. Uh, definitive one way or the other, and then there was a third and two to Theo Riddick that he just flat out dropped again. Would have gotten them into 49ers territory, and they just need a field goal there to send it to overtime. So, uh, frustrating way for the game to end. the 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 game was just like also a flag happy game. Just that Quandre Digs was kind of the icing on the cake. Lines were penalized ten times for 105 yards. A lot of those in the secondary. Um, just an overall really really frustrating game, but not. I think I'm still, at this point, hanging on to a little bit of optimism here because I don't think that they were horrible in this game, just a lot of little mistakes. And you kind of expect that a little bit with a new team, a new coach, a new scheme, all that sort of stuff. But you're right, Chris, and like this is kind of the worst-case scenario. I mean, obviously 0-2 is literally as, as bad as you can get after two games, but we were looking at the schedule. Jets 49ers, this is a great opportunity for this team to get out to a hot start with a new coach, like get those wins in early while the team's not that good. And then once they get better, maybe those two wins early on can carry them mm. to a tough spot. They didn't do it. And now you're thinking, wow, okay, the easy parts done. Now we got the Patriots coming up in prime time next week. What the hell we're screwed.
3: Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think, I think even more so to that point, a lot of, <laughs> I think a lot of the air had been let out of the ball after the jets game. And I think some people are even looking at the San Francisco game because I, I think they're looking at that game as kind of uh, Hey, if we can pull off a win against New York in in the first week and then go into San Francisco and beat kind of everybody's off season darling, because that's who the 49ers were. They got Garoppolo, yep. you know, they started to ah, put some pieces into place. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they kind of became everybody's, you know, off season darling and it looked like it could have been a game that could go one way or the other. But I think after the jets performance, it was like, man, we're going to go into San Francisco and who knows what's going to happen. And then, like you said, on the other side of that, the schedule is going to get definitively harder. So after losing this game, it really seemed like, at you know, what could the Lions possibly do to
1: turn around this season? All right, real quick, as we end this way back episode here, what, have, what, what did this game mean at, if anything, like as we look at it in a larger context, we know how the rest of the other 15 games go. In the Lions' season, what does this game mean in the grander scheme? Does it just does or just does it just mean nothing at all? It's hard to say. the The one kind of interesting
2: part about it is that Lions' pass rush actually actually looked pretty good in this game. They got to Jimmy
1: Garoppolo six
2: times. And no, all- I mean I'm
1: not looking for a glimmer of hope that we glean from this game in particular. But like we know what the Lions are. The Lions, we we were looking at this 16 games later. The Lions are who we thought they were what did we know from that to, to retroactively put onto this game? Do I, I even
4: make agree. sense at this point? No. I am really <laughs> I have no idea what you're asking.
5: <laughs>
4: All does Ryan, does is, the dog? Does
3: the dog, I don't, the, the dog is too busy trying to work on its Brooklyn accent. Might be able to get that Bronx. in the third segment.
1: Bronx, not Brooklyn.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Very important distinction. Sorry you know to all of those in the no. It's fine. You know what? I feel like throwing this game in the garbage anyway. This game sucked. I was in the Buffalo Wild Wings getting my stomach pumped of just terrible, terrible food. 49ers fans all around me because Los Angeles still not exactly a town of Rams fans yet. And what else can I say? Yeah, forgettable, completely forgettable. I have more memories. And more talking when it comes to the Patriots game, not just because the Lions won, but I think that game is more interesting because of what weird hope that game pumped into us. And I think there's better questions to be asked there. This is just kind of in the larger scope of themes static between the New York game and the New England game.
3: Well, I I think, like I said, that they were almost kind of like not carbon copies because the Jets game was an absolute beatdown, but the way that they came out of the second half, I think the things that you can kind of glean from this are like, one, the third quarter, and two, the run defense wasn't something that schematically the Lions were struggling to do. They just didn't have a guy in the middle. And then once they got Damon Harrison, things changed. Because you also had a San Francisco team that ran the ball 28 times for 190 yards. Yeah. So,
1: all right. All right, let me try to take us back. Woo-doo, 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 woo-doo.
3: I'm missing some. I'm missing some atoms. <laughs> We're, yeah, Our flux
2: capacitor is, is struggling right now.
5: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Mail com.
1: Mail time. Mail time. time. News here. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to Mail time, hashtag ask pod. As always, get your questions in. I feel like I have to apologize because I told myself at the beginning of all this that was gonna hide my absolute state of just complete sleep deprivation. It's not working. So you have this instead. And we have a mailbag ahead of us. Any thoughts here on anything going on else before we hit the mailbag? Any particular questions you guys saw? or have for a mailbag
2: do we do we want to address because i don't know if we got any questions regarding it do we do we want to talk about the beer chugging incident this this week
1: it's not really much of an incident (laughs) if anything i find i find more annoying everyone who is like acting like stafford dunked on aaron Rodgers. come on he did no
2: You are so negative. I can't believe it. This was so much like this was a great moment for him because he never does this kind of stuff. He never goes online and and throws shade like Matthew Stafford is the most boring person off the field in the world. And he goes in and dunks on like, and yet within hours of Aaron Rodgers sipping a beer, trying to chug it, he goes and downs a tall boy. At a restaurant? Hell yes, that was him dunking on Rodgers.
1: Okay, but I, I guess for me, A, I already know Stafford is like a Texas meathead. We have at least some picture evidence of this from his past. Sure. We know that he can create a bro hurricane if he ever met forces with Lake Bortles. We, we've seen his pictures from his boat over, this, over summer's past. So him chugging a tall boy isn't, doesn't really get me like doesn't really hit me out of left field i think the way it does for you and b as someone who has shotgunned beers doesn't really stick with me i, I find this whole episode about chugging beers very very weird to begin with i i i'm curious what aaron rodgers was trying to chug <laughs> if anything uh, it did not look like light beer though i am not trying to play csi uh milwaukee okay. here
2: but but the, the the point here is not that Stafford can chug a beer. Yes, I knew that. I, I saw him carrying the keg and all that shit, but the fact that he did it publicly, this is a guy who doesn't have social media. This is a guy who every press conference you go to is, is fodder to, to fall asleep to. Like You could listen to one and you'd fall asleep right now, Chris, although I'm sure it wouldn't take much. The fact that okay, he well is decided to jump on his wife's Instagram and do that is awesome to me and something we'd never see from Stafford, so that was fun for me.
1: One crumb. I need more.
2: Yeah. that. Well, One yeah. crumb.
1: Need a, need a stream.
2: I agree. I would love to see more of this out of Stafford. It's a lot of fun.
1: Mm, maybe not. Maybe not just want and drinking, because then we're just getting into the bro stuff again. Well, no, it doesn't have to be drinking, but dunking on dudes. Why not? Why the hell not? Swag a little because bit. this is the Lions, and any kind of dunking done on other teams is always going to ring innately hollow until this team does something. And I know you don't want to hear that, but it's the goddamn guy. Yeah, of truth. course I don't want to hear that because why the hell not stunt a little bit in the off season?
2: Who the hell cares? Someone's going to say, Oh, well, playoffs wins. Blah, blah, blah. I don't care. It's
3: the off season. Dunk on dudes. It's fun. Hmm. I don't care ah. about the dunking. I have, you know, I have, don't I have, like fun. <laughs> well, I have, a, I have another I like take fun, on but this. that's the
1: thing too. Like he already got Aaron Rodgers already got dunked on by other people in Milwaukee. Be uh, the lineman that originally put him up to the challenge. Or Christian Yelich, like Stafford's late to this. Now, if this inspires like a whole wave of other people trying to chug a beer across the NFL, and somehow we end up with Tom Brady <laughs> chugging chugging a PBR, then maybe I'll be like, okay, Did, we've got something.
3: Didn't didn't he get on Kimmel or something like that though? So uh,
1: you could, maybe on Kimmel.
3: Yeah, I'm pretty sure Brady already chugged a beer on Probably way like back. either Kimmel or Colbert. It was on one of the late night shows. But anyways, my, I have a shotgun It
1: You got to shotgun it to impress me. You got to get the key in there.
3: I I have a completely different take. And I think that this whole incident has been even more illustrative of how how much of a synthetic human Aaron Rodgers is. Like, I don't <laughs> think that he's an actual person.
1: Now, hold on. <laughs> hold on. You You say that, but... I've been hearing audio about him freaking out about the ending of game of thrones. And if you ever want to see a that man nerd the hell out, that's where you want to go. Cause like he just suddenly starts going on about a three eyed raven or something. None of us here have watched game of thrones, which is a problem. But mm,
3: yeah, but I think that you can be programmed to do that. However, when you're put on the spot and you have to ingest, you have to ingest hops. Clearly, clearly, Rogers' operating system couldn't handle that. So I think that there's more to that than there is to Stafford chugging the beer.
1: I do want to see Rogers. He claims next time make it scotch. I would like to see him try to throw back shots of sh- shots of whiskey. I, okay, that's the I test feel- he needs to pass. He, he's he's putting up. I'm telling him to put up or shut up.
3: I feel like that right there in and of itself is something that's very like hyper masculine. It's like well couldn't do beer but it's also like classy hyper masculinity like well, I, I, could, I could i could i could down some scotch it's like it's what? dork okay. hyper
1: male it's dork hyper male yes. it's like he's, oh beer now let's you know catch me with the classy scotch
3: yeah,
2: yeah. He's, he's trying to high road but it's it's a very much eye rolly
1: inducing eye roll once running. again
3: once again part of his operating system i don't believe that he's human
1: <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, just join us when we go to our next Grand Rapids Griffins game for two dollar <laughs> hot dog and beer night.
3: Oh boy, don't I don't want to hang. I would not want to hang out with Aaron Rodgers. Is that a weird thing to say? I don't
1: think it is. No, I, I don't, don't want to. No, I would not want to hang out with that his guy. His own
2: family doesn't want to hang out with him.
3: Okay, well that's beside the point.
1: <laughs> I want to hang out with him just to see what happens when we get him just rip snorting drunk and take him to Founders. <laughs> we'll probably sign a contract with the Lions. Hmm.
3: I don't even know if I would want that because at this point I've seen some stats that just say that Aaron Rodgers is is really Andy Dalton with a mustache.
1: (laughs) He's still better than Stafford. Anyway.
2: We get he hates Stafford.
1: Anyway. Let's get here to some of the questions. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed in everyone that none of us sent chugging questions. None of us sent any chugging questions. Actually one person did. Bud Dog. In addition to beer, do you think Stafford could pound the 2018 Honolulu Blue Kool-Aid drink? And if so, how many? Now, for those not familiar with my Honolulu Blue Kool-Aid recipe, it fluctuates by year. And I believe the 2018 version had, uh, it was, it was vodka-based. It was usually gin, but I think I made it, yeah, it was, actually it was, te- it was tequila it's tequila, hypnotic, and for some godforsaken reason, I said you should put in some Sambuca. <laughs> so, oh, Lord, uh, out of fairness, I don't think anyone could chuck that. And if you are, then uh, may God have mercy on your soul.
2: Stafford could probably down a bunch of them and then go lead a fourth I mean, quarter drive.
1: He, he could down some of them. I just but think. Don't drink I, in I don't, fourth quarter drive. That was really lame. <laughs> I mean, I've seen what happens when Brian drinks the blue Kool-Aid. So I. And if if it did, if it devolved Ryan into that, I, I think Ryan could probably hold the blue Kool-Aid better than Stafford could.
3: Um, Probably.
1: <laughs> Are you uncomfortable with me mentioning this?
3: Kind of. <laughs>
1: you mentioned it on the Punakana episode.
3: I don't remember anything from the Punta Cana episode.
1: That's probably for the best. Yeah. All right. Next question we have here uh, from DP Victory about the Portsmouth Spartans. The mother city of the Lion is in the Lions is in Portsmouth, Ohio. Uh, for those who don't know the history, the Lions started as the Portsmouth Spartans with uh, a purple and gold theme. Uh, color scheme if i'm not mistaken with helmets i think we're kind of in that michigan uh flying wing pattern yeah he says i am tempted to travel there simply out of curiosity what what cursed place exists there you know what they say the sins of the parents uh oh yeah my question anyone else want to go uh what state is portsmouth in ohio it's right on there's your answer it's on the border. Well, it's I'll get I'll get you one better. It's on the border between Ohio and West Virginia. Hell no. I think the place where the uh, where the <laughs> Spartans used to play is still standing. Is it? It was like the Portsmouth uh, Portsmouth uh, Municipal. Like this is this is the ancient ancient yeah Spartan Municipal Stadium still stands. In Portsmouth, Ohio, if you want to go see it, um, not sure we why, to, not sure who even plays there yeah, right we now. We need to destroy it. Maybe that's the curse. Well, I mean, the history of it is is fascinating, but I mean, Portsmouth, the the fact that teams in Portsmouth isn't too bizarre if you're familiar with the history of the of the of the league, where we had teams in like Kenosha and Iron Hills and all these other small midwestern towns because they were just cheap and easy to set up in. And as interest in pro football grew, a lot of these teams got snapped and bought up and taken to the big cities, as was the case with the Spartans. They got bought up by, I forget his name now off the top of my head because I am very tired, but the owner at the time of longstanding Detroit radio station WJR, he bought the Spartans and brought them to uh, Detroit. And he paid a very modest sum for them and then turned it around and sold it uh, at a pretty hefty profit, I would say. But, yeah, that's how your Lions came to Detroit. The more you know. The more you know. And knowing is half the battle.
3: And the past 10,000 days have been filled with suffering.
1: 10,000? Just 10,000? okay let's see what else we got here we're trying to find we're trying to scrape this barrel right now because i think at this point uh it's just it's it's been long weeks for a lot of us aaron thompson what will what will be your drink of choice for tavai's hall of fame induction ceremony
3: (laughs) all right Ken I want to do also,
1: Ken Morton I, also sends us Tease Tabor to the Pro Bowl. So, Ryan, oh, you're, you're charged up now. Go for it.
3: I just. I want to do a mailbag, but I can't with questions like these. Uh, um, I'm going to
2: have a my Tai It device Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Really? Yep. <sighs> Play along, guys. Come on.
4: Let's that, go. That's a drop OTAs, in. baby. Woo! That,
1: I don't know what to do with this anymore. Just in this moment,
3: I feel like that was one of the most droppable things that we can use for the rest of eternity, except for Winnie Cooper, which I have affectionately <laughs> nicknamed Coopzilla.
1: Coopzilla, I like. I was about to ask if Winnie Cooper was the real name, and I guess you answered my question.
3: Winnie Cooper is the real name. She's named after the female in the Wonder Years, Fred Savage. Okay. Yeah. Mm hmm. Anyways, okay. um, I, you know what? I'm more – would this be totally selfish for me to say that I'd rather have a teased Tabor Pro Bowl season than a Tavai Hall of Fame career?
2: Yeah, that would be very selfish
3: of me. Yeah, that would be selfish. <laughs> selfish and short-sighted. I mean, Tavai can still have a really good career, just not make the Hall of Fame.
2: Yeah. Give it
4: up, dude. Give it up. Oh. You give it up. You're the hater. You don't want to see people succeed.
3: Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> what about hey, there is that question that was on Twitter. I know it's not directly from the mailbag.
1: <laughs> that question that was on Twitter.
3: No, I'm going to I'm going to propose a question to you. I'm going to grab the okay. mailbag. This is my mailbag now. So the proposition was you have ten opportunities to make an MBA three-pointer. If oh, you make question? Yeah, if you make one, you get a billion dollars. If you miss all 10, then you have to go to prison for a year. Maximum maximum security security. prison for a year. What's like the NFL equivalent to that, and would you do it?
1: It's got to be kicking. Thank you. (laughs) It's got to be kicking a a PAT, right? Yeah, well,
2: maybe an old PAT, not the new one. (laughs) Like kicking a 25, 30 yarder?
1: What, What is it now? Just remind me again.
2: Uh, it's like 38, 40 or something. I don't
1: know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's do like 20. Yeah. From like 20 or 30 yards out, like kicking, a (laughs) kicking, uh, kicking a chip field goal. Here's the problem though. I feel like the majority of people have not tried a
2: field goal. Whereas people obviously have shot a three pointer plenty of times. So I I have no idea where my bar is on kicking a 25 year, a 25 yard field goal. That makes it tough.
1: I, I'm just trying to figure out what else you could even do, like maybe complete a pass. Actually, how about this: complete a pass, let's say thirty-five yards downfield. That's too far. That is way too far. Okay, uh thirty yards. You're, no, no, well,
2: no. Give me, give me,
1: give something thing. that isn't just a noodle arm.
2: I mean, if you're if you're talking vertically downfield. A 15 to 20 yard pass just, is not just, easy just
1: down just down the field something that can be but i mean that's something that can actually be done people have thrown throw footballs around all the time sure so i mean it's it's about arm strength there's no defenders out there there's no one oh, okay. covering the receiver oh, it's okay. just you trying to throw a ball to like your son or whatever who's standing x yards away well i'm gonna blame my son if he doesn't catch it no and assuming no drop passes oh, well, you've got to put okay. it on the money
2: all right well yeah if there's no defenders no nothing like a guy just standing still yeah maybe like a 40 yarder
3: i was the backup quarterback for my freshman football team so we also we also all of our all of our formations only had one wide receivers
1: (laughs) by the way credit to twitter for finally figuring out how to make these this type of question work rather than what we've had for like the past six months where people post like a very modest looking meal. And it's like you have, I mean, it's a heavy meal for, for some people, but for most people, I would say modest heavy, you know, just like probably three, three, 4,000 calories worth of fried food or whatever. And they, and that picture is then followed by the caption of like, you have 24 hours and unlimited water. And if you drink and if you eat all of this and finish it, you get uh, you get a hundred million dollars. Can you do it?
3: <laughs> like without question. There there are no repercussions. Like the repercussions yeah, that's are it. what? Like that's you, have, it, to, you, you have to eat some to you have to eat some Tums and sit on the toilet for a couple hours? Like this is on I mean, Saturday night. Yeah. I mean, hello. Uh, but I mean, Jerry Mallory, I think, had the best response to the to the original proposition on Twitter. But he said that he goes, give me five shots, but up it to three billion dollars and I will go to I'll go to prison for three years. What? Yeah.
2: Betting double down, triple down. Why? I like it. I like it. Why is one billion not enough money for you? I don't think so. I think he wants Jerry, to take what? care of pride Yo. of Detroit jerry's just trying to
1: show off he's just trying to stunt on twitter but i mean if you if you get that chance like, i mean go for it I, would. I feel like we moved away too far from the food though because i was about to bring up fat sals i don't think jeremy ever had fat sals in la incorrect i got it four times at least yeah okay. i had i had for the first time this week which one do you go with uh the fat jamie what is that it was on the lighter end so that's like the ham the chicken fingers avocado uh tapatio Mm. jalapenos mozzarella that sounds new yeah it is it's a lot lighter compared to like the buffalo right for those not no new to la like if you think la is only like quinoa and crap like fat sals are monster sandwiches where
2: basically you get a base meat and then appetizers shoved in a sandwich
1: Yeah, mozzarella (laughs) sticks which are not jeremy's favorite chicken fingers uh, french fries french fries oh they had french fries on the fat jamie i forgot about mm-hmm. that french fries are actually the part i did not like they were a little soggy i don't see what yinzers see in putting french fries on their sandwiches all right next question we have here from dennis gallagher why don't you guys ever have player or coaching guests on the pod cast?
2: i can take that one uh it's complicated uh you typically you have to go through both the lions PR guy or media relations guy and their agent. Um, the, the best way that we can get people on the podcast is for their agent to come to us because sometimes they're promoting something and they want to do some things like that. So in, in our past, we've had a couple, we had a on once and I think golden Tate twice.
1: I want to say, yeah, we've, we've had a few interviews with people. It's just that usually those end up turning into written interviews right. transcribed from a phone call, rather than, and because of our diffused seating arrangement as it is over the internet, we usually can't get them on something like a voiceover IP or with a good microphone in front of them. Right? Maybe that changes sometime. I don't know. But, Maybe yeah. uh, we're trying to kind of
2: think outside of the box with things like that, which is why we've we've played Fortnite with Graham Glasgow. It, it's kind of a little more informal in that sense. I think it gets people, it gets players, a little more relaxed. And you don't have to necessarily jump through all these hoops like you do. Cause I mean, you look at any Lions podcast, they're not booking any Lions players or coaches just because it is so complicated and, and tricky.
1: That and I mean, once again, this is kind of the teams controlling their own media thing too. Like mm-hmm. with the Lions having their own podcasts and their own blogs and everything else, right. like that's, they that's can, where they you'll can get control the that message. message. Yeah. Well, that's it. They can control their own message at this yep. point. Yep. They can control their questions and suddenly. Like, there's no room for independent questions that might sometimes prove uh, uncomfortable here and there. Right. Also, if anyone was going to come on with us, we would have to make sure they drink at least a tumbler of Honolulu Blue Kool Aid.
3: <laughs> Got to check. Requirements.
1: Pre it, Yes. Thank you for listening to the Pride Detroit PODcast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Brian Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at I am Brian Shepard. I A M B R I A N S H E P A R D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff. He's been great. He gave us Victory Monday, so go check him out. That's I am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you star side.